HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, helping restaurants bring hospitality online. Learn more at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O dot com slash opening soon. Meet and Three is back. We're kicking off our fourth season and celebrating HRN's 10th anniversary with a very special episode about our home. Brooklyn. Roberta's was such an interesting place with such a strong gravitational pull. It attracted all these different groups. The neighborhood has changed a lot over the past decade, from its culinary renaissance to the complicated implications of gentrification. I would say the majority of the people who are members of our co-op definitely have a certain purchasing power, are mostly white, and we are trying to change that. We're taking you on a journey that spans the birthplace of food radio to buzzy neighborhood pollinators to the transformative health journey of our borough president. That was my moment of, you know, wow, someone has thrown me a life raft and I'm going to take it. Subscribe to Meet and 3, that's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome to Opening Soon on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Jenny Goodman. And I'm Alex McCreary. And Opening Soon is a weekly podcast that will take you through the business plan of opening a restaurant. So if you're just tuning in, that's what our show is all about. We're meeting with industry leaders and chefs and restaurateurs that help take your business from just an idea to opening soon. And so if you've listened to one of our first two episodes, you've probably gotten the long spiel on who we are and why we're here um, today I'll give you the quick one. Basically, we suck at opening restaurants. We think we're pretty good at uh, making workwear. Um, and the latter, with our company, Till at NYC, we've gotten to meet a lot of people that are actually very good at opening restaurants, and they have a lot of great knowledge uh, and advice to share. And I think that um, Jenny and I wanted to start this podcast with the hope that um, we can share that with all the people out there that are getting ready to start their own venture uh, and hopefully make it a little bit easier on your path. Yeah, so exactly. So today we're actually going to be talking with Aaron and Agatha of the amazing baked goods shops that are all over Manhattan and Brooklyn called Ovenly. And we're going to be talking about real estate. But before we dive into today's topic, 
We like to wrap um, up with some nuggets of information that were shared with us last week. Last week we had on Vicki Freeman and Aisha and Anna Marie from the Bowery Restaurant Groups. So we talked all about partnership. We can go over what they what they shared with us. We did. So number one was uh, evaluate the person beyond the resume. So basically, while it's obviously great to have a great resume, it's more important that your connection with your partner um, is, is and the chemistry that you share together is, is there. And the number two takeaway from last week was ensuring that you're on the same page when it comes to vision, which I hear all the time with partners. You guys probably, I'm looking at Aaron and Agatha, but they're nodding their heads. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Vision alignment is so key. And uh, third is listen and have empathy for your partner's point of view. Um, if you you know want them to listen to you and understand what you're going through and your ideas, then obviously you need to do the same for them. Yeah, empathy is huge. And then four was don't expect to have an equal amount of work from each partner, which I thought was really interesting because this one actually came from an audience question, which was how do you ensure there's equal amount of work? And the response was really you can't, but you have to trust that your partner is doing what they're supposed to be doing, which I thought was really insightful. Right. Some people might bring, you know, a work ethic of 18 day, eighteen hour days and somebody's going to have, you know, the best idea you've ever had in a matter of seconds, <laughs> as, as long as everybody's doing their part and understanding that. Um, lastly is when frustration presents itself, which I'm sure it will, uh, the best thing to do is to sleep on it before you react. So um, take a step away, take a breath, um, and then come to a response that's derived from uh, civility rather than hostility. Don't fire off that angry email. right all right so on to today's topic which we're really excited about it's about you know finding your location so you have your partners you've built your business plan how do you actually find the place where you're going to meet your customers and get those doors open real estate's a wild wild west out there how do you navigate look for the perfect spot what are some of the pitfalls all those good things yeah. And so, again, we're joined in the studio today by Aaron Patinkin and Agatha Kalaga, co-founders and operating partners of Ovenly. It's a radically responsive bakery uh, with four locations between Manhattan and Brooklyn. One of those is very close to us, which we're very appreciative of. And uh, both Aaron and Agatha have been recognized for their leadership and social impact and demystifying entrepreneurship. They've built a delicious and growing brand since launching the first retail location in Greenpoint in 2012. And I can certainly attest to the delicious part. Yes. We love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming Wait, on. Where are the cookies we brought? Oh, they're here. <laughs> we have, we, the cookies are not going far. I have them uh, set aside for, for my post. Need to pizza digest sweet. the pizza. pizza. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> right I know. I would chow on the cookies right now if I could. Um, so, yeah, give us a little bit about, you know, Tell us, tell us the, the quick story about how you guys founded Ovenly and, and got into this business. Sure. We, Aaron and I met in 2009, and we incorporated in 2010. So that was really when Ovenly was born. Mm-hmm. And it was really at that point when we met, we really had a passion for baked goods, but also were very motivated to start a business. And we met at a food focus book club and a week later we met and decided to start a business together. Wow. So speaking of partnerships and, that was and fast. partnerships surviving, we did not know each other. Um, and, and we toyed around with different 
business ideas for about a year, but um, but Ovenly came to be when we um, quickly realized that there was a huge gap in um, the types of pastries that were um, not being offered um, around the time that there were all of these uh, high high-end, fancier coffee companies that were coming about. So there were there was really great coffee being served at these cafes uh, and coffee shops, mm-hmm. but the pastries sucked. There were, yeah, there were very few companies in 2010 that were wholesaling baked goods. Yeah. So you guys started, and this was, I didn't realize this when we were, first, until we sat down and had lunch before, but it, so you guys started with wholesale only in mind. Yes. Yep. And then yes. the retail portion was sort of like, uh, oh, we should do this too. Kind right, of if you think back like, five or ten years and I think you're looking at like a croissant or a bagel yeah, with your coffee. Yeah, that's it. Right. I mean, that was it. Yeah, it was, right. or, it, you know, really big muffins that you could get right. <laughs> right. equally <laughs> at a, you know, corner uh, mobile cart or the really fancy coffee shop. They were buying everything same from product. the same places. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it was more traditional French, French pastries that right. were being offered. Nothing really innovative or creative. And that's where we came in and started offering, as we were talking about before, really wild flavors um, yeah. that were very different from from you know what was being offered in the mainstream. And you guys are known for also having like a diverse offering of not just like, you know, you serve people who are vegan and you like, you know, serve the community who's gluten-free. So I feel like that was definitely an unmet. Yeah. yeah, and that was you know a little bit by accident. We were making some products on purpose that were gluten free, and then some other things just happened to be gluten free. So it, but as soon as we started the company and really realized that there was a market for that, we kind of expanded those offerings. A lot was by accident in the beginning. <laughs> I know. I mean, that happens. It's funny because I listen to like Guy Raz's po- podcast all the time. Yeah. And his famous question is like luck or, you know, hard work. And it's like, it's so true. It's <laughs> a little bit of both. Luck is hard work. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> luck is hard end, work. It doesn't matter oh, yeah. if the product is there, right? Yeah. Exactly. I don't believe in true. luck. I believe in hard work yeah. and, uh, and taking, you know, uh, opportunities when they come mm-hmm. and Sometimes you happen to take the right opportunity, and sometimes you happen to not. I just, I truly don't believe in luck. Yeah. Wow. I, that's, I like that. Yeah, knowing when to take the right opportunity. Key takeaway. <laughs> um, love it. So, so you guys started wholesale basically with the idea in 2010, and then in 2012, you had the Greenpoint. You moved to Greenpoint and opened that location, and that was initially just going to be. Tell us what happened there. We had actually eyed that space a year prior to taking it, and we fantasize about moving in, but we weren't set up financially to, or we weren't set up at all to, to really take it at that point. We weren't prepared, and um, and then it was still available a year later, which is when we ended up taking that lease in 2012. So we were subleasing in Red Hook, and the real need was finding a kitchen, okay. and so we... Um, we had seen that space and it was gutted when we saw it. There were no floors. Like there was literally yeah. a hole in the ground. Yeah. And so we really didn't have a lot of experience and didn't have the vision for what it could be. And then a year later that Greenpoint at the time was not what it is today mm-hmm. and it was still open. And so we were able to negotiate a pretty good deal. And the, we're actually really close with our landlords now, which we should talk about landlord relationships in, in this podcast, but um, they were also restaurateurs. So they kind of, they understood how to build that space and they originally had built it for themselves. So they, you know, it was built to the walls with the proper plumbing work, Mm. which we were just talking about at lunch, (laughs) Um, (laughs) proper electricity, you know, everything was pretty much stubbed. What we had to do was come in and finish the plumbing, finish the electric and then 
do the interior spaces. Now, obviously, there was a lot of equipment that we had to buy, but we went into a space that um, didn't need a gut renovation, and I, I that was really important to us at the time because we had never delved into our own real estate at that point. Had you looked at other spaces? Like, take us back, I guess, to how you yeah, the, first saw that original, space. Where you, uh... the, original, I, the original place that we had put a bid in on was Do or Dine. Became yeah. Do or Dine, which is now Do or Dive, right? It's is not it? Do or Dine anymore. Um, so it was in Bed-Stuy. We, and we had <laughs> oh, looked with this woman named yeah. Anna Wolf, who used to have a mustard company. And I in, think, in the current oh. Greenpoint Palace. Yeah, I don't know if it... It was in the it, basement. The mustard company still exists. But... We originally were going to go in together on a lease and then just for like financial reasons. Like yeah. We and yeah. we didn't understand that would have been a disaster. Like <laughs> thing. Mustard and we had mustard and yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you were just looking really more for like commissary and office space. We were looking for commissary with a, we wanted a little space to be a showcase yeah. for mm-hmm. our not even goods, an office where we could brew a pot of coffee and, you know, do tastings, do or, tastings. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But we were really fortunate, as Aaron mentioned, with the landlord that we had where he had a great understanding of what it took to build out a space. And so in terms of communication and negotiation and all of that, he was very up to speed on on what that looked like and and how to build out a space. So, But we had, I mean, he didn't really do much in terms of that. Like he didn't help us build that out. But we we had up until that point also a real estate agent who also had a development company. And that real estate agent also had helped us through a lot of like very sensitive stuff in yeah. our. Um, <laughs> we had a. We basically had a really crazy sublease. We were given like a fraudulent sublease when we start. No. Yes, yeah. And we Don't got ever a lawyer. We sublease. They're, they're, oh my god! Yes. Our lawyers oh looked it over, and there was some photoshopping involved. I mean, it really was awful. crazy. It was awful. It was bad. How? But when you signed the sublease initially, did you have lawyers look at it at the time? Yes. yes. And they didn't catch that it was fraudulent. <laughs> No, it was until not a great second. Lo- oh, no, yeah. until the landlords of that space yes. told us it was. They wrong. found us. I and was. They, and this they, is such yeah. a. Yes. I mean, this is like a whole podcast about <laughs> what you know the the corrupt people yeah. of New York. But also, what, wow. what it means to if yeah. you're going into a space yeah. and you're subleasing, make sure it's yeah. legal. You know, yeah, something we learned from that experience though is in New York City, if you're looking for a space, the likelihood is that it's not assignable. So uh, there is a portion of your lease, and I would recommend to people who are out there looking at leases to try to get an assignment clause included in a lease. And what that assignment clause says is, yes, I own this lease, but if I want to sublet it, I can. Mm -hmm. And the reason you may want to do that is if you think the real estate um, is valuable, but your concept isn't working, maybe you want to have someone in there for a little while. uh, But Typically in New York, there is no such thing as an assignment clause. Only one landlord we've worked with in the uh, six leases that we have has there been an allowable assignment clause. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes you, you, you yeah, also need to look at that because sometimes that assignment clause, and this is why you need a good lawyer, might say if there's an ownership change, it's an assignment and we can kick you out. So what is, what's an ownership change? Well, an investment is an ownership change. Yeah. So right. if, you, if you go in and you have one business partner and then you're growing and you get an investment in the, you know, in your LLC and it changes, materially changes the share ownership the landlord could say to you, that was an assignment, I, I get you out. And the standard lease in New York City says that a change in ownership is an assignment. So you 
if you are a business owner out there looking to sign a lease, make sure that your lawyer takes that out. And most landlords are fine with that assignment clause being worded as such to allow in investors, investors. into the company. But it is the standard lease is not written that way. That is really valuable. So lesson one, <laughs> get a good lawyer. And lawyers, good lawyers are it's worth, worth it. it. It's worth it. It's, it's worth it. Do you want to shout out who you work with? Is there anybody you want to shout out to our New York City friends? Yeah, we work with Hellbrand and Levy for all of our leases. Yeah, they're a good one. Well known in the hospitality yes, industry. Um, but yeah, I would say like build that into your business plan. It's worth paying the legal expenses for sure not to have a disaster. Yeah. It's That's hard scary. though when you're starting off and you, you don't, don't have the money to yeah. also spend on a really good lawyer, but yeah. it is worth it. But find the money. Find, find the, the money. Lawyer. Find a good lawyer. And by the way, mm-hmm. everything's negotiable. Yeah. We negotiate caps on the cost of lease negotiation. So sorry, Helbert and Levy, but we, <laughs> we we will say like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna we want a maximum rate for this lease negotiation, and. These guys are so good at this. I mean, this is stuff that yeah. they and do day in. Davis yeah. White Tremaine, same thing. They're a really good uh, company that, in, that does leases as well and works with a lot of restaurant groups. It, just from the beginning, say, hey, I'm a small business. I'm growing. Mm-hmm. I have 4000 or $5,000 for this lease. That's all I can spend. Can you cap it? And I and now you're my lawyers. And guess what? You're going to need lawyers forever. Forever. Yeah, and ever. And, and many different types of lawyers. Yeah, and many different types of lawyers. It's so true. It's like an employment lawyer, right? Real estate. There's just liquor license. There's just so many things. IP. Yeah, trademark, IP. Yeah, right, totally. all of it. Um, but that's a really interesting point. And, you know, the other thing about going to like an industry specific lawyer is a lot of times they know the landlords yes. too, so oh, yes. that they can be more efficient with them. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. It's worth the money. Yeah. That was really that's so interesting. Um, okay. So then. So yeah, we, we were rambling. I can't remember. No. I don't want to. So I don't we remember opened Greenpoint yeah, in yeah. 2012. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but we, you know, the help was we had a landlord who understood restaurants. Yes. Who, yeah. Who's firm, but fair. And then we had a real estate agent who actually doesn't do deals like this. He typically sells commercial property, but was friends with our landlords. He happened to do this deal for us. And he also had a development company. And so he was able to say, you know, I think this is a good deal for you because, you know, you can negotiate a reasonable rent. It's already built out. You're going to save money. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we knew enough people in the industry to find a developer, uh, sorry, a contractor who also owns restaurants. And so the contractor understood, I mean, without, there were still frustrations. There's always frustrations with contractors, but that contractor understood how to build for a restaurant. That seems Um, fairly rare. I can't imagine there's like tons of contractors slash restaurant owners. I don't think there are. And (laughs) and the reason he is a restaurant owner is because he was building so many restaurants that he was just like, like, he became a partner partner with um, a couple people who, who own restaurants and bars. Uh, good. This is we another financing lesson time, too. Right? Yeah. It's like, if you can't, if you like need to, hi- you, like you can't afford to bring yeah. in some, but like hire somebody who's great, like a contractor, bring them in as a partner and an investor. It's always like, you know, you can always, I think that's rare. I think equity. it's, I think it's hard to find a contractor who would work for equity. And to be totally honest, I don't think I would do that. <laughs> um, but you know, there are ways to save money, which uh, a huge way to save money is to buy all your own materials. So they, you know, let the contractor buy the joists and the screws and the drywall, 
because they they can't mark that up that much, but you buy the tile directly. You coordinate the delivery of the tile and any of the finishes, and you will save money because then there is no markup from the contractor. Right, right. and then you're but you're project managing it too. But that's what you got to do. Yeah, that's that's what you gotta it, do especially in the beginning. Yeah. Right. Do you guys still project manage all of your own construction? I, I, I yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah, you do it. Yeah. And all of your, do you work with a designer for like the tiles and yeah. We do, yeah. Yeah, I, we're not interior designers. No. We have a huge hand in the interior design um, because there's we have a feeling of the brand that we want to um, put forward, but we, I don't know how to do interior design. And there's also, you want continuity in the spaces. Yeah, yeah you want, yeah, you want people to understand your brand as yeah, soon as they exactly. walk in and say it's the same experience. Yeah. For and sure. I also had the fortunate experience of sort of managing the business side of an ex-boyfriend's subcontracting carpentry business. And so before we started that, I had ba- you know, basically done the, the books for an ex-boyfriend of mine who has a custom carpentry company in New Orleans, oh. um, now in New Orleans. And so I had the experience of putting, helping him put together bids. Uh-huh. So and, you're like, I know the markup. She She's so like, I know the markup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, the and, my, and my mom's a real estate agent, so just like talking about that my yeah. whole life and talking about real estate was. And my brother was a director of development for a real estate company, so I had a lot of people who I could talk to about yeah. about this sort of stuff. So it makes sense right. that Agatha heads up the. the Aaron, sort of, yeah. did sorry, your mom Aaron, help you with finding spaces? No, 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 but no, but, <laughs> Agatha, but Agatha's yeah. ex is a builder, and yeah. so he helped. I mean, the first the store, first store was. All us. Yeah, I mean, I think what, something that we learned when we ta- when we talked to a lot of restaurateurs building spaces, that first store is going to be the cheapest to build, but the one you do the most yeah. work on, and that's absolutely the truth. Um, and so we ha- don't build our stores now at all. Right. We don't do anything. But we that had first so many store, friends it was us. all of us, all of our friends, a, a lot of exes. Yeah. Exes. <laughs> Were they exes because, because of, of having the build? Or? Luckily, no. <laughs> we can never be sure. Yeah. We can never be sure. <laughs> I hope they're not yeah, listening. Be careful who you ask to help yeah. you. Yeah. If you like them, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, that's so funny. But it is also interesting because that store, because it was the first one and because... There was so much more blood, sweat, and tears put mm-hmm. into it. It's it's the one that I feel the most attached to, just because. Still. Yeah, it, there's such an emotional. Yes. Shit into the walls. Yeah. <laughs> we I mean, we did that for our first yeah. office. It's, yeah. yeah, you have to. And yeah. you know, we had the. We still guy, do it. I and we still do it. Yeah, Alex <laughs> is like on. never not schlepping. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we still do it, and we still. And it's like we the first guest we had on Butler talked about how their dad hung the wallpaper, and you know, and like Sean Feeney talks about how he put in like the light bulbs at Missy in the bathroom, and it was like you know. So I, get, I think like you're never too good to get on the floor as a business owner, and like actually hammer shit you fucking. And one of the people that helped us actually, our designer from that store. Uh, the, our second client was um, a cafe that his girlfriend had owned, and he yeah. had helped design that store. So it was, yeah. you know, it was that relationship that that uh, that helped us get that together. Yeah. But going back to that moment where we chose that spot again, we chose it for because we needed the, it was a great spot. We wanted our own space, and that was originally going to be a, a show showroom for wholesale. But what we learned from opening there was that neighborhood spots mm-hmm. were became our bread and butter. And so we do have this small kiosk in Midtown, but our strategy is really to go into neighborhoods. um, And there are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons why to do that, why not to do that. But we really, that really sort of guided our vision to become the neighborhood bakery Mm -hmm. in every neighborhood, as opposed to being in very high volume, high rent areas. And that sort of speaks to Did that change? Sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say it sort of speaks to like what you're saying before about like luck, but taking it as like opportunity. So you guys sort of had people coming and knocking on your doors, what you were saying, you know, before we were having pizza and then you were like, okay, we should open this as like a retail outlet. I, yeah, I think we had it. We were sorry. I'll just say okay. this really quickly. Yeah. We had, uh, we were only open for three days a week Yeah. and yeah. then people were knocking on the door and we realized, oh, we we didn't understand that in that little area of Greenpoint that all those lofts were small businesses and there was no good coffee in the neighborhood. Yeah. And so that's really, we were like, oh, this neighborhood needs us and that's when we started to be open seven days a week. And it was really us pioneering that neighborhood, mm-hmm. especially North Greenpoint where there Polly G's was there, but there was yeah. nothing. And, and because of that space, we developed such a brand loyalty and, uh, an incredible customer base because the community there, we've been there for so long and that helped us to, um, you know, be able to develop this brand awareness that we didn't have before through our wholesale business as well. And, you know, obviously now there's a lot more tourists and people coming in, but we still have our loyal customers that have been coming in there since day one. Yeah, I believe it. So tell us, I guess, what made you then, you know, decide to jump into Midtown? Well, first of all, as soon as we saw the economics of retail <laughs> we're like oh, oh this is why wholesale is, is very annoying it's hard yeah. um yeah. so we that was 2012 we didn't open another store we really did still focus on wholesale until 2015 and then urban space uh was opening their first market and they approached us and they had one unit left to rent and that was in february march of 2015 um, and then we signed with them and we opened in the fall. Now, the truth is that, you know, they came to us with all sorts of numbers. Like, this is how many walk-bys are, there are. This is how many people we expect. But everything is a risk, right? Yeah. You never know what is actually going to be until you open. And so we did a lot, you know, we do a lot of financial analysis. And by the way, every time you're about to sign a lease... We're thinking about it. Create a lease analysis document so that you understand how many turnovers of the tables, how many transactions, what the price of that transaction needs to be before you sign that lease, because that will show you what you need to do. do. Um, If a great starting place is your rent should only be about depending on your operating costs should only be about 10 percent of your gross Mm -hmm. income. Now, that's a little different for us. Because we're able to, we have a lower label labor cost than a restaurant because we only have baristas and they're two or two people behind the bar at a time. Right. Whereas a restaurant is going to have cooks, it's you know they're going to yeah. have bussers. We have two people who work two shifts a day, so we have four shifts in a day. So our labor costs are lower than another company. So we can push that a little bit. We can go up to eleven or twelve percent. Though I will tell you that our average rent is about five or six percent of our gross revenue because I am. Good job. Very, well, also, oh, I'm very kudos. conservative yeah. on, on where we go. Okay, so well, take, take on as little yeah. like, fixed cost as we possibly can. But I think that one of the bigger risks that we took was that that location, um, and originally our rent was too high, and it, we didn't we weren't very successful there for the first year. Um, and, you know, Urban Space was very generous, and we renegotiated with them to take the small... They created a spot for us at the top. If you've ever been to Urban Space Vanderbilt Market in Mid- Midtown, they created a little spot for us at the top of the stairs that was not one of their mm-hmm. rental spaces, and no one else 
could really be there. Like right, you could have cooking, you. we couldn't have an espresso machine. It's 70 square feet. Mm-hmm. And we were able to move and then make it successful. And that gave us a runway to get people to know that we were there. And so now we're in our fourth year there and it's great. And it's only 70 square feet. Awesome. Um, no, that's, I mean, it's a really interesting lesson because again, it's like, it wasn't initially that successful for you all. You like rethought the plan and then turned it into something that's been a great opportunity. And also being really paying attention to what your sales are. I don't care if you're a restaurant or a bakery or coffee shop, sell what people are buying, sell more of what people are buying. Yeah. Yeah. Focus on that. All right. We're going to take a super quick break and then we'll come back with more. business in West Hazleton, Pennsylvania, wanted to entertain the community at an affordable cost. So in March 2004, they turned a 103-year-old Hersker Theater into a modern cinema, where guests could dine while watching a movie. With a wide range of food, drink, and movie options, Cinema and Drafthouse became a classic outing for everyone in town. Bento Box helped Cinema and Drafthouse build an online image and beautiful new website that attracts new and repeat guests and features what movies are playing. Cinema and Draft House is one of 4,000 restaurants that's powered by Bento. Visit bento.com slash opening soon to learn more. All right, welcome back. We're uh, Again, we're with Aaron Patinkin and Agatha Kalaga, uh, co-founders of Ovenly, and we're chatting about real estate. Um, a couple of uh, great key points from the first half, just to kind of give you a quick recap. Um, Number one was is having a great relationship and understanding, uh, and having a landlord that I guess understands how to build a restaurant or, or how how a restaurant will be operating in their space. Um, number two is to definitely have a lawyer uh, to work with on your lease and, and to really a understand. Good lawyer. A good, good lawyer. Not just a, not just a, a lawyer. A good lawyer. A good and not a cheap an experienced lawyer. good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Spend your money. You get what you pay for. Um, and then another point was, uh, you know, analyze, doing a lease analysis, basically, um, to make sure that the money that you're going to be bringing in, the customers that are coming in, are going to balance out with how much you're spending on rent. Um, and we said about a max of 10% of your gross should be your rent number. Um, and then we'll move on from there, I guess. I'm sure we'll get, a, there's a whole lot more to cover. Um, this is only like the tip of the iceberg. So don't take this 45 minutes of podcast and <laughs> go and grab your space. Um, tell us a little bit. You've told us a little bit about yeah, please the... Please don't um, do that. Yeah. Don't blame me. You've told me everything I need to know. I'm ready. Yeah. Aaron's like... Not true. I'm like, yeah. I am yeah. not you guys a real estate agent. Uh, this is just my... I'm sorry. Experience. But you can angry call emails, her. Aaron. <laughs> you can call her mom, though. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to call my mom. Yeah. Uh, you guys told us a little bit about the risk of... Um, the dollar amount of your lease. Tell us a little bit about how the term of your lease goes. Of you know, obviously you want a long lease if you're going to be super successful and keep the number low. But then that's a little bit scary to somebody who's starting a brand new business concept to sign a 25 year lease. So you'll never get a 25 year lease. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. Really? Yeah, not anymore. No, that's unless you you're like, one? well, yes. Yeah. If yeah. you have a good guy clause. Yeah. So um, it's every deal is going to be different. Uh, you used to in New York be able to get like a 20 plus 10 so a tw- when you ever hear that if you ever hear that term like 
X years plus X years. Yeah. That means that there is a lease term with a set rent and a set rent increase for that a period of time. And then there is an option to renew that lease for another set period of time. Now, most leases I see in New York are 10 years plus a five-year option. So at the end, usually in year nine in that situation, you'd sit down with the landlord and say, I, I want to renew for those five years. And the best thing that you can do for yourself is negotiate into the lease from the beginning that that option will renew at 90% or 95% mm -hmm. of fair market value. But you got to do your due diligence because maybe in 10 years, the market goes down. It's, it's, tri it's a it's tricky, tricky number right. to negotiate. So, um, but it's, if you can negotiate below fair market value, that's the best thing that you can do. Now, a lot of landlords won't do that. They'll say, no, it's, I'll allow you an option, but it's going to be a negotiation at that at that at that option. Um, never hurts have, to ask. Sorry. Do you have a ten plus five in all? No, of your spaces? every uh, some spaces are five plus five, some are ten plus five. We always try to do <laughs> at least a ten plus five. But you know the the real estate market in New York is changing so quickly. Landlords are less willing to give you super long long leases, and so. You have to decide, I think five plus fives, even though we've done them, again, know your financials. Can you pay back and make money on the space in five years? If you cannot, do not sign a five plus do five. It. Yeah. And also the leases are very different. You should speak to um, kiosks. I've, yeah, I'm like, curious yeah. About that. Oh, yeah, the, the kiosk market is much it's different. Totally different. It's not, yeah. uh, first of all, kiosk leases aren't leases. Yeah. They're called licensing agreements. Yeah. Right. They're typically, the lease is owned by the markets that run the kiosks yeah. and you're basically licensing a little area of that market for yourself um i the longest i've ever seen those be is two years they're typically wow. oh, they're yeah. typically one plus one but you know the market is really paying for the build out you know you're putting up very little money to yeah. go in there and then the market makes its money not just on your rent but on your own sales so usually i mean every market is so different um, some markets do something where you have a base rent plus a certain percentage above a revenue point. Some just do a percentage deal. Some do a high rent deal. So those are so different. Mm -hmm. It's not a typical lease. But a typical lease, if you were going to find your own space, um, is a 5 plus 5 or a 10 plus 5. Now, the big lessons I've learned yeah. in having four locations that are not a kiosk. So we have... Um, Besides our four bake shops, we also have an, a, an, a test kitchen and event space in Greenpoint. Try to get the landlord to agree to do as much work as possible. Tenant improvement. Te yes. Yeah. No. Not, not tenant, tenant improvement. The landlord does the, the landlord. Tenant yeah. improvements is different. Tenant right. improvement is you're improving right, it, right, and they're right. paying you to do it either in free months or literally with a check. Right. So what I've so we've got renovated one location, and we got some tenant improvement allowance which location is that one park slope park slope okay but i personally would never gut renovate a location again um it's very stressful it's a lot of work and to be frank if your car focus is opening a retail store do as little work as possible because that's your that's your area of expertise i yeah. would not do that again um, if you love a location and the landlord is saying, I'm not going to do any work, you have to gut renovate it, try to negotiate as many months for free as possible. 
Um, what I won't do again uh, is I will not install HVAC systems anymore. So I heat and air conditioning systems. It's very complicated to get them on roofs. The city's really cracking down on safety. Yeah. You may find that you need to install this crazy steel barrier on top of the roof, and typically it's on the tenant. If you're installing it's so it, it's on the tenant. Also. It's so expensive. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, you're yeah. putting something I just, on a roof. I won't do that anymore. So the closest you can get to a white box, yeah. the better. And I know that it's hard because a lot of landlords in New York don't want to do that, and it's atypical in New York. Yeah. But if you can find a place like that, you're better off because guess what? You know, you're a restaurant owner, you're not a contractor, you're not a contractor. and mm-hmm. contractors in New York are the good ones are very hard to come by. Yeah. And you may end up spending a lot of time time and money over the course of your lease to repair things mm-hmm. and just so ask for a white box. Yeah, just ask like, for a white box if you can. If you can. At the very least ask for the uh, electric and the plumbing to be stubbed and the HVAC system to be in there, even if you have to gut out the walls, because mm-hmm. those are fixtures anyway. You can't take those with you, yeah. and they're they're complicated and annoying. The key What's is up? to ask for as much as you can yeah. up front, yeah. and up if front, they say right. no, fine, fine. But, but right. you and should evaluate exactly. It's exactly. also in their best interest. I mean, obviously, your landlord should be wanting you to move in and succeed, and if you're going to get hung up on construction for six to eight months. Well, you yeah. think that, but I think that's that, the case. That's not the case. No, I think a lot of landlords are just trying to rent. But this is a good point. I, yeah. I think with all of, with all of the leases that we've been through, it's ideal to have a landlord that believes that you're going to be adding value to, to the space. Mm-hmm. And I, and if they believe that it'll probably end up being a better relationship than a, a landlord that doesn't give a shit about you. Honestly, yeah. I, w- I will not sign a lease with a landlord who I think is going to be a bad landlord because yeah. Yeah. you're yeah. going, you know, and this was advice from David Hellbrand. who's like, when you sign a lease, you're going into business with the landlord. Yeah. And also I would say one more thing. If you're a restaurant, always remember this. And your goal is to only open one location. You're like, I don't want to open one more location. One location is my dream. Get the longest lease possible because your business is the life of that lease. Right. Right. What have you, like, what has been sort of, like, some questions or, like, a, like a good telltale sign of, like, a good landlord that you've seen? Someone who's flexible, someone who understands, will sit down with you face-to-face and you say, like, hey, I I would love to be in your space. Mm-hmm. I'll pay a hundred, you know, and there's, everything is negotiable. Remember mm. that. Like, everything. you don't want to install the HVAC system. The HVAC system to install is going to call 20, cost 25 grand. Say, so, you know what, I'll give you $50 more a month for the next 10 years. If you do it. Right. You know, right. so I be think creative with be like creative. how you structure deals. And if the landlord wants you in there and seems like a good person. Oh, I also, if it's a, it's a, if it's a landlord that has more than one building, mm-hmm. I ask to interview tenants. their other tenants. Yeah. Smart. Um, and you should do that. We've, we've had the same happen to us. Uh, but you know, you it's again, it's a risk, but try to Google that person, find out what their reputation is. Ask what your, if your lawyers know them, Get a ask private investigator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have mean, you done this and found that, that people gave you feedback that said, we are very we, willing to, yeah, talk have about you pulled yeah. out of spaces? Like, have we, you like seen spaces and be like, Oh shit, that landlord's not good. Like, I'm not going to do it. We put, we recently put in an offer on a space and. We we use a broker in um, Brooklyn, a real estate broker, and he he's very much about making the sale. Yeah. And we put the offer in, and then you know he called me like two days later, and he was like, "Listen, I this landlord owns a lot of property, and he's 
and the it's a big company. He's like, they're just kind of unsavory, and I can't recommend that you actually go in here. And hearing that from him, and that was, actually, I mean, for your broker to say that because your brokers yeah. are our, motivated to close our, deals. And our prior, and the prior tenant also, yeah, you know, was like, they're really, they weren't easy to work with. I don't recommend them. And then I just said, I don't want to. And and do that this. would have been a perfect space for us, but yeah. we didn't want to even. It, it, it's go too there. risky. Yeah. yeah, it's not worth it yeah. for yeah. sure. Um, I think we're we're gonna uh, move on to an audience question and then some lightning round stuff. We have a lot more things that we could probably I ask know. you guys, and we'll bring you back tomorrow for the five hour version. We have so many studio. I was, saying, I was saying to our finance manager the other day, I was like, two things I wish I knew nothing about that take up so much of my brain space: insurance and insurance. real estate. It's so true. I like know Do so much about insurance, insurance and real estate. I know because oh. the amount of sure every day, I'm like, oh. Do I have insurance on that? Oh my god! I know. This I know. Sexy topic of insurance. <laughs> so sexy. But it's so critical. Is so, so critical. Yeah, I it know. really is. I know. I know. I used to make fun of my mom because she was always like, "Do you have that insured?" And now I'm like, "Shit, do I have that insured?" <laughs> it's like, oh god. Anyways, yeah. okay. So we do have an audience question, which we've sort of touched on some of this stuff already. Um, I was actually I was at the National Restaurant Association show in Chicago, and one of our listeners stopped by our booth. And they are opening in a food hall and are actually going to be opening. They're looking for a lease. So it's kind of perfect timing. Their first place is called Italianettes in the Fulton Galley in Chicago. It's coming on June 17th. This will be a licensing agreement, not a lease. This is a licensing agreement, not a lease. But they're also looking for their new one. So they said, what have you learned to ask for specifically when negotiating with a landlord that can save time and or money? So I think we just sort of talked about that. We did. Stubbing. Stubbing. Electric and plumbing. HVAC, if they are willing to do it, if there is a storefront that needs repairing or replacing, ask Plate them to do it. glass windows are so expensive. Well, also, I've replaced a storefront. I, yeah. a, another thing that I probably wouldn't do. Um, replace a storefront. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Chicago, luckily, is a little bit easier than New York in terms of finding quality people. But we had, we did not have a very good storefront installer and we've had a lot of issues. I just, anything that's like a big thing that's going to be in the building forever. Like you're not going to take this different with you. You're not going to take HVAC. You're <laughs> yeah. not going to take plumbing. You're not going to take electric. Yeah. Try to get the landlord to agree to do, to do those things and right. be willing to give some concessions in order for him or her to do it. Also, if the landlord doesn't agree, you could also get them to agree, but just offer to pay more rent. There yeah. can be rent escalations. There's different creative Basically ways to go about the, exactly, that. Exactly. And that's what we did right. with our office. We actually, um, we financed the entire, the landlord did the entire build out and financed it for a higher rent. And I'm so happy that yeah, that, that. that was the best deal is that the landlord actually did everything. So yeah. nuts. And we just financed the entire build out in the rent. Aaron's point is you're looking to run your business and not be, not a, contractor. be a contractor. Right. Yeah. That's really yeah. very valuable. All right. Let's do some lightning round. We'll go. These are meant lightning to be round. lightning round. <laughs> I need quick. a timer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. These yep. are meant to be like the quick, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, quick one to two word answers. You want to start? Um, sure. So one word that describes how you feel about being your own boss. <laughs> oh, sorry. Agatha. <laughs> <laughs> Empowered. Empowered. Free. 
and stressed. Free and stressed <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. yeah. I could free stress for that. Free stress. Free, free stress. <laughs> Complimentary. Not yeah. stress free. Oh, yeah. It's called waking up in the middle of the night with like palpitations because yeah, you're exactly. like, shit, did I do that? Um, yeah, we all have that. What about the number of days off in your first year of business? Zero. Uh, Minus negative 20. 10. <laughs> yeah. I mean, still if, catching if, uh, up. I regu- lost a year of my life. Yeah. You lost a year. Yeah. If a regular work week is 40 hours yeah. and you work 120 hours, I think we netted negative. It's, it's <laughs> true. Yeah. That's a fact. Number of days off last week? Two. Two. All right. It gets better. You're people. always on, yeah. but two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're always on, but yes. No. Um, you guys are a world-renowned traveling speaker or speakers on the effectiveness of a great location. Give us your three, your top three factors that must be present in your lease. It can be one word. Uh, <laughs> top three to. factors that must be present. Or just one that like has to be like the... Um, assignment clauses assignment clause that allow about. in other investors. Right. Um, good guy... Guarantee. Good guy, good guy. Do not sign anything in New York City without a good guy guarantee. <laughs> yes. It's one of the only cities in the country where you can get that. That means if that you fail, you can give them their keys back and walk away. Basically, um, means you pay you pay up to your rent until you actually until lose you lose your deposit. Right. And you lose your yeah. deposit. Yeah. yeah, every lease in New York has to have yeah. that. Yep. So good guy doesn't have assignment to. Assignment clause. They don't yeah. have should, but yes. should. Yeah. Um. And what's another huge one? Edit this pause, this long yeah. pause out. Um, that was also a long question for a lady. <laughs> yeah, this is not a lightning question. Let me think about the third one, because there are a lot of things. But um, we can oh, come back. a detailed list of what landlord building responsibilities are. Yeah. So I'll concur with those. Yeah. Land, <laughs> what are the land re- responsibilities for building issues, assignment clause, exceptions for investors, and a good guy clause? Cool. Good. So, Agatha, you want to take this one? Can you name one thing about your locations that have been instrumental in your business success? It goes back to the community yeah. and, and really being entrenched in the neighborhood. Yeah. And so now that's like the focus is interesting that, you know, it sort of took the first retail location for you to be like, okay, we're a community bakery and yeah. coffee shop. Yes. Yeah. What is about your dream location for the next oven lay? Ooh. Hawaii, Mexico <laughs> City. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Hawaii, oh. Mexico. I just went to Mexico City. Yeah, Mexico it's City is best. Best. It's the best. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Although but you if can I find ovenly peanut butter cookies in Mexico City. Though. Where? Where? Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Scar makes yeah. them. I mean, we don't make them, but yeah. But uh, it's our recipe that your, she yeah. makes from the cookbook. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, last question is: You built a mini bakery empire. Who inspires you? Ooh. I have so many people who inspire me. I'm going to name three. Uh, Samin Nosrat, for how she approaches the world. Will Rosenzweig, who's one of my mentors, who has built a lot of food companies. And I think Ari Weinzweig from Ooh. Zingerman's for his uh, Zingerman's. perspective on what business can be. Yeah. I was going to say Ari, but also just Zingerman's as a business. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Yvonne Schoenard of Patagonia. He's just such an inspiration. Yeah, and sustainable business. Yeah. Sustainable business, but not even that. Just scaling a business mm-hmm. responsibly. Yeah. And uh, Celine Simon, uh, who is very much um, about sustainable fashion, but she is also just 
an activist when when it comes to research and initiatives and sustainability for business. I actually have one more lightning round question that I want to hear. Lightning um, round. Yeah. yeah, this is the last one. <laughs> yeah. Last one. What's your favorite Evanly treat? Oh, that's oh, easy. Everyone asks that. I know. Do they? Oh, <laughs> no, I make that no. I'm, I sound I so disappointed because like. I can never know what to say. The chocolate marshmallow cookie. So no, uh, well, no? there's a that's different. Oh, the hot there's chocolate cookie is so good. There's the favorite, and then there's what I eat the most of. Okay, <laughs> that's what very I eat true. the most of is the salted chocolate chip cookie. Okay, my favorite is the current rosemary scone. Okay. 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 I eat the most of our pistachio cardamom bread, which is also one of my favorites, and the chocolate chip cookie. And the chocolate. And what's your best selling? Chocolate chip cookie. The chocolate yeah. chip chocolate cookie. Chocolate chip cookie. I am a fan of the hot chocolate, and we've been getting Alex the damn block. good. It's so good that hot chocolate yeah. cookie with Although the marshmallows. Although there's none in, so in that box, but there are. <laughs> there's a. There's two I'm blackout sure we'll find cupcakes. Okay. There's blackout. Good, yeah. Blackout. yeah. Alex yeah. is a happy big birthday. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so we just like to finish off with um, shouting out any restaurants that are opening soon that we're excited about, or maybe just even recently opened. Anything you guys want to shout out, or do you have anything else personally um, opening soon? Uh, Beso in uh, NoHo is like one of my favorite That's restaurants, great. and Michael yeah. and Emily are opening a little outpost in the Time Out Market, which is oh, opening soon in Dumbo, them. and it's going to be all of their little crispy rice ball cake things, which I could eat. Beso so 20,000 yeah. million yeah. of. Awesome. That's yeah, so exciting. Really That's their timeout market in Dumbo. Yeah. Yeah. Their food is incredible. So good. Anything you're excited about, Agatha? That's opening? Ooh, I don't know. I or been. just maybe recently open. I mean, mm-hmm. I eat at Scars many times a week. <laughs> so do we. And, and and he's also opening up another location. Scars? Hopefully soon, yeah. <gasps> good for uh-huh. him. Oh, we love Scars I don't, I don't know if that's... Hopefully soon. Hopefully. Um, so beside Italianette, which we shouted out, and the in Chicago and the Fulton Galley, it's coming June 17th, and that's from Alexis and Gerard. They used to be the chefs at Soho House in Chicago. So this is their first solo venture. They're a husband and wife team, so I'm excited for them. So go visit them if you're in the Chicago area. I also just went to Galit in Chicago, which um, is Zach Engel's new place. He's a Tulane alum like myself. Mm. It was effing delicious. Huh. Galit. Galit. G-A-L-I-T. So what kind of food is I'm it? going to Chicago on Saturday. It's Middle Eastern. He's Ooh. Israeli. He worked under Alon Shaya, and he was the CDC there. He wanted a James Beard Rising Star, and this is his and his business partner, Andres's first... Uh, solo venture and it was delicious and I loved it so definitely go check them out super exciting this has been great Um, next week tune in as we chat all things sourcing with Morgan Tucker from Little M Tucker and Josh Morgan the COO of Melchop so you've got your space you've got your partners you've got your business plan done Um, now how about stocking it full of, of stuff so plateware barware do you need the latest and greatest are there other alternatives do you buy do you finance Ikea. new or used <laughs> you go to Ikea and buy everything Aaron's um, wheels are turning she wants to jump in do you, Ikea is that what you're saying Ikea yeah. Yeah. but then wink. you have to replace it every two yeah, years yeah not sustainable yeah. <laughs> at all um, anyway okay so, and then um, and how do you do that without breaking the bank you know Ikea is the answer I guess <laughs> so, yeah. uh, show next week's done yeah, yeah. Special thanks to you guys for coming on, Aaron and Agatha of Ovenly, um, for sharing real estate tips. There's you know a million more that we could get from you, and we'll give people your personal email so that they can reach out. <laughs> cool. um, and my cell phone number. Yeah. <laughs> if you forgot to take notes, we're going to put a lot of this stuff online on our blog at tilletnyc.com. Um, where can people find you guys? Online, social, www.oven.ly is our... Uh, work website at Ovenly is our Instagram at Agatha 
Kulaga is Agatha's Instagram and at Aaron Patinkin is my Instagram. We are very responsive. You can feel free to DM yes. either of us. <laughs> cool. Thank you. I'm sure you will get some messages. Uh, follow us uh, on Heritage Radio. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at We Are Opening Soon and at Till at NYC. And if you love what you hear and you love the reaction so far, then uh, the best way to share it with people is to go on your podcast app, uh, give us a great rating, and review us. Thanks, guys. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thanks for so having fun us. And informative. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.